coming up on today's episode. I had hit the height of my eating disorder where I was not eating anything. Like there was nothing in my stomach at this point, but I loved the way I looked. I loved finally looking at a photo and I got back from that semester or from that summer and into the next semester. And people were complimenting me left, right, and center about how good I looked. And I was like, oh my God, I am literally dying, like spiritually, emotionally, physically. And I, I have never been complimented more in my entire life. Welcome to the I Am Healing podcast. My name is Bethany Larson. And I'm here to explore ideas around true health and happiness. Each week, I bring you a story of healing to encourage and inspire us both as we move forward along our own journeys. Thank you for choosing to spend your time with me. I am truly grateful to know that this path is filled with so many beautiful souls. If you find this episode inspiring, please help me spread the message by either sending it to a friend or sharing on social. And if you haven't already, I'd love if you took a moment to subscribe wherever you're listening and leave a rating and review to let me know what you thought and to help others find us who are searching for hope and inspiration. Today on the I Am Healing podcast, it's episode number five with Celine Bilgin, who shares her story of healing through insomnia and bulimia, as well as her passion for healthy periods. In this episode, we'll be talking about figuring out who you are without your illness, the idea of conscious parenting within ourselves, how confidence, courage, and boundaries all play a role in healing, the difficulty in distinguishing your thoughts from society's beauty standards, and so much more. I want to start out, I obviously had connected, tried connecting with actually your player who you work for, Peggy McCall, um, and then found out you were actually the person I was supposed to be talking to. Um, Mm -hmm. And I just was so blown away by your story on your website, and I wanted to have you share that with us. Um, So, because you've struggled with um, bulimia before, um, so if you want to just tell us your story and all of that. Yeah, so I mean, it just started from me having pictures of Twiggy on my wall, who was a fashion model in the 90s. And this is like heroin chic was like the cool thing. Okay. And I also had anxiety since I, I just always did. I go just as a young kid. And I remember trying to like walk like a model and practice that. And and I thought Twiggy was, that's just, yeah, she looked like her name. She was called Twiggy for a reason, like Twig, right? And so I thought that that's what I had to be like from a very young age. And so I was obsessed with magazines and, you know, just looking a certain way. And I had always struggled with confidence and and was not active really growing up. And I did grow up in a household which that, you know, from a Mediterranean background. So we ate a lot of healthy food, but I still was so confused and I was really confused and I felt awkward in my body always. And when I was in eighth grade, I had so much in, um, so much anxiety that I developed something called hyperhidrosis, which then I would excessively sweat through my clothing and uh-huh. people were just like, I don't know, it was, it was so awkward and then yeah. at that time. And, and I, the only solution at the time was Botox under my armpits. And my dad was like, no, definitely not. And so I just, you know, and I'm glad because I'm a very kind of, I try to be as natural as possible in that way. And then by the time I was 16, I was on sleeping medication because I had chronic insomnia. I could not sleep at night. And I remember the doctor did not ask me, you know, do you have good friends? Are you exercising? Are you eating well? And of course, while I had my family at that age, I just wanted to go and eat fast food and, you know, just that kind of stuff. And I'd had no connection to my body and in my inner self. And so those sleeping pills actually made my insomnia worse because then I got more anxious thinking, well, if medication can't help me, then what can, like, I was just like, that's, that was the only solution. And the last solution I thought there was. And of course that, that anxiety carried on. And it wasn't until my 
early 20s that I was, you know, had this like picture perfect. I was in university. I was involved in all these clubs and like just super social. And I don't know, like on the outside, I, I, I wasn't, not that I wasn't happy, but I started to develop an eating disorder because I thought that again, that was the best solution is to have a really small weight and still eat whatever I wanted. And so I would start to, you know, I started to develop bulimia and, um, and it was like secretive eating and, and all that kind of stuff too. And, um, it got to the point, I'm like really fast forwarding the story, but it got to the point where I would start to have bloody noses from making myself go to the bathroom. And I was like, ah, well, whatever. Like, it's just like, it's fine. They go away. And so I just kind of brush that aside and I remember one summer I got back from Turkey, which is where we went with as a family. And I had hit the height of my eating disorder where I was not eating anything. Like there was nothing in my stomach at this point, but I loved the way I looked, I loved finally looking at a photo. And I got back from that semester or from that summer and into the next semester and people were complimenting me left, right and center about how good I looked. And I was like, Oh my God, I am literally dying like spiritually, emotionally, physically. And I I have never been complimented more in my entire life than that time. Like you were like, Oh, what are you doing? You look so great. You look amazing. And I remember again, just as when I was 16 and the doctor had, you know, not asked me any of those questions. And I'm, I remember feeling that disconnect, like something isn't right here, right? Like why did that doctor not ask me all these other questions and why are people so interested in how I look physically and why do we associate that with something so positive? And then same thing when my, my, when my father had passed away, my parents were very, very much in love and, and I'm very lucky for that. However, when he passed, she went not, it was not good. And again, she was not eating and she was very unhealthy. A little bit of nicotine and alcohol abuse for a little bit to cope. She was a bag of bones. And again, people were asking her, you look so good. What's your secret? And I'm like, holy crap. Like this is so insane. People are complimenting how she looks and she is suffering. And so that really, all of these things start to spark this awakening within me to say, like, something is not like, there is so much more to health than just how we look. Because what ended up happening with the, the bloody noses is I started to get bloody noses from both sides of my nostrils. And then they would start to get longer and longer before I'd be able to leave the bathroom. And then I started to get a little bit more concerned where one day I'm just sitting on the the toilet and I'm like, have wads of toilet paper with me. And it wasn't until one day where I sat for, I don't know, I don't even know how long it was anymore, but I just had roll after roll of toilet paper. And I had looked at myself in the eyes, which I had not done in a very long time because it was just at my body to criticize And I had this like vein popping out or a vein or artery. I I don't know, (laughs) but I had something popping out of my forehead, like, and my face was red. And I looked in the mirror and I said, people who love themselves don't do this to themselves. And that was the second last time I had ever made myself throw up. And that wasn't the end of the eating disorder. It kind of, shifted in a different way to more just binging and that and that's like a whole thing of its own that I've um, been able to overcome actually which I'm very very happy to say but that was that was um the like that journey in a nutshell wow that's incredible because I think a lot of people a lot of girls like they say the percentages are so and not even just girls like you know guys too and we because guys can be so quiet and keeping their emotions inside, it's very difficult for us to understand how many people are affected by this. Um, but 
I myself, I don't know if I mentioned to you before, but I also had an eating disorder. It was more of um, binge eating disorder mixed with a bit of anorexia. But there was a point when I remember being in the bathroom in it was like freshman year in college and the thought came to my head and it freaked me out because I actually have a phobia of getting sick and but the thought was there and I'm actually kind of grateful for the phobia because um you know it kind of kept that at least in check um but it's just it's crazy like you know because you feel like oh you grew up in this loving home with loving parents um and we both struggled with anxiety um but I think it's just the way society tells us we should look and how we focus so much on how like you know appearances and where we think like so many people are like you they look at you and they're like oh you're healthy right and inside you're like you just feel that something's wrong and there's just like this really huge incongruence with that. Um, so yeah, I just, I think the relatability is, is huge on this. Um, so you've talked a little bit about how you started like having this awakening. Um, and I'm curious with this, like, was it just, because I think one thing you talked about was that idea of when you had the insomnia and actually, can I ask how long, did that last the insomnia because you felt like hopeless at that point yeah so it was I think it was like three or four months that I had insomnia that I was like not like either not sleeping or it's sleeping two hours and that's a long time to go you know I know that there's like newborn parents who don't sleep and that's not quite the same for anyone it's just like it was just literally like I just could not sleep and this is months on end and and life gets really weird like this weird blur zombie state and yeah it's weird for anyone who has ever experienced long-term insomnia and it actually wasn't until I found a yoga class and this is before yoga was like there's lots of yoga studios and everything this is when I was in high school um and so I found a yoga class and then I was and then that started to make me realize like my the power of my breath and then I was able to calm down a little bit and then rest the mind a bit and then that made me start to realize oh the food that I eat makes me feel different things and feel a different way and so I think it was very shortly after you know going to yoga on a weekly basis And it wasn't the same kind of, it was like almost like it was such a wholesome kind of not a yoga studio thing now where it was just like all of us in a circle and this like older woman taught it and it was very gentle. It wasn't like, can you bend backwards? Like it wasn't like even, I feel like sometimes this yoga studios now can be like almost competitive in a way where this one was really just gentle and down to earth. So it didn't take long, did did not take long. And I sleep like a baby to this day. Wow. Oh, that's amazing. Do you feel like the yoga then helped you with anxiety overall, just like learning how to breathe and connect intuitively more? I feel like that's kind of what happened is that intuition started sparking. Exactly, exactly. Because I had no connection to intuition. It was like, or maybe I did, but I just didn't, I wasn't aware of it. And I wasn't aware of my breath. And that's still something I work on is like, slowing down and um but yeah that soon after really soon after because I find that when we're anxious our breathing pattern is very fast when we're sleeping it's very slow and rhythmic and so I didn't realize I could control my breath and so when I started to learn that I could do that I was like oh all right next thing I know I hit my head hits the pillow and it doesn't take long I mean there'll still be a few nights where I'm like thinking about you know if I you know when pre-COVID, like jumping on a plane or whatever. But um, yeah, things like that. Yeah. Wow. I think that's actually really interesting just to think about like from how I've experienced things as well with my anxiety and how I don't know if you felt the same thing, but my anxiety always seemed to get worse at night because there was more room for my mind to just like start going on this wheel of things. Um, And yeah, I don't know. I think like for me, I accidentally like fell into this idea of dreaming about things, um, like daydreaming while I was supposed to be like night dreaming. Mm -hmm. Um, And so Mm -hmm. I think that really helped with my anxiety, but you're right. Like there it's, it can be, 
I don't know, that place where you lose hope. Um, and I feel like I was kind of in that place, but it was more just, I didn't know what to do when I was younger. Um, when all of it started, because it was probably when I was <clears throat> eight and nine, where like the anxiety really got bad and I just, I couldn't sleep. And so I thought something was wrong and like, you know, just that whole thing. Um, but that place I think is so interesting where you lose hope. Um, it's yeah. just a horrible place to be in, but it's like, sometimes I don't think healing needs to like happen. Like it can only happen when you lose hope. Um, mm -hmm. but I think when you lose hope, it's like almost all the expectations have to fall away. And I think maybe in a sense, I don't know. I'm curious what you think. Maybe in a sense, we like our expectations are gone and we're more open to just like seeing things. I don't yeah, know. I'm curious. What you think. Yeah. We're just like, well, like we're just at a point where like anything will help, you know? Yeah. And I think things are, ready at night because we're we're so busy we're more busy during the day and then the the time we have to be in the space of our own thoughts and our own selves and then all of a sudden it's like anxiety starts to kick in because we're like oh well now I'm just stuck with my own thoughts and there's not like the hustle and bustle of work or whatever it is so yeah 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 it's almost like I think maybe it leaves more room for intuition instead of relying on other people to like give you the answers mm -hmm. Totally. Yeah, that's really interesting because I think I think that's why like in my whole healing journey, I feel like when we're I think maybe that's I get this feeling that so many people have illnesses and maybe can't heal from them because we've become disempowered. And I think part of that stems from our society telling us that we can't ever be completely healed from something or if it's a chronic, you know, like if it's a chronic disease and you'll have it for the rest of your life, yeah. like diabetes or yeah. eating disorders. Again, like they say the same thing that even if you're not currently struggling with it, it'll always just be there looming and you have to like, I don't know, always be struggling with it a little bit. Um, but yeah, I just, I think that idea is so interesting. I'm kind of losing my train of thought here. <laughs> no, I want to speak about that actually, because yeah. here's the thing there is someone who's profiting from someone being chronically ill. There's a profit yeah. to be made, right? So it's like, if you have chronic diabetes or chronic autoimmune conditions, there's a medication for that instead of looking at, well, and this is what, like what I do is like looking at, okay, what, how, why did this stem? How can we support the, the mind and then the, the, the body? And so it becomes not chronic, and like I, I'll just share a story. Yesterday, I had a client send me a photo of her pregnancy test who had been on a popular um, medication, fertility medication for two years, been in and out of doctors, and nobody told her that her hormones were imbalanced, that her gut bacteria was imbalanced. And she's pregnant now after we started working together in September. And I'm like, yeah. other than that, she, someone's benefiting from her being on these fertility medications. It's thousands of dollars, especially in the U.S., yeah. yeah, yeah, exactly. And I actually, so that brings up such a good point because me realizing that I think I, it's probably, I didn't lose as much hope in like the possibility of me healing, but I lost hope that with like these chronic illnesses that I have been through um, and I'm still working on that I lost hope in the medical industry to be able to deal with them because I wasn't going to accept that one, it was going to be long-term and two, that like they wanted me to be on medication because I'm like, I, I just, you know, from one thing, like, you know, I got sick when I was younger with medication and then it kind of traumatized me. And so I didn't want to take it. And there's just, I had so many bad experiences with doctors and not to say like, you know, the medical <clears throat> the medical industry is so important for so many things yes, but yes. for chronic illnesses not so much but also they're the one who labeled illnesses chronic because they couldn't fix them except for like giving you pills and treatments long term um so just all of that I think it opened me up like it wasn't quite this feeling that I lost hope with my situation so I didn't get to that deep dark place like not for too long for some things um 
but it really opened me up to like looking into the world outside of the medical industry because before that's that's what people grew up with like I never knew that there were all of these other ways of healing because we're only told if you're sick you go to the doctor and it's a western mm-hmm. doctor um yeah it's just it's so interesting to think about that and I think you know, it's really wrapped me on this whole long journey of looking at all of these different, um, different ways of healing. And actually, you know, based on that, like, I'm curious how, you know, cause you then went to a yoga class and found out that that was helping you. Um, when you were realizing that, like looking into the mirror and like thinking like, you know, people who love themselves don't treat themselves like this. Like, I think that moment is just so huge. Like that awakening moment did you, cause obviously you said you still had to figure things out and you stopped, um, you know, purging and everything, but you still struggled with, um, binge eating. So how did you move from that? Were you looking at other alternative treatments or therapies or anything, or was it just like kind of this mental process that you went through for, from the, the binge, like stopping purging? Right. Yeah. And that, and that, and just, you know, now not having to worry about eating disorder at all? And do you feel like you're completely healed too? Yeah, good question. So, oh my gosh, honestly, I do feel like it was a mental thing for that, for the purging. But it's easier said than done because obviously there's times where it's like, it's the habit, it becomes involuntary. And that was a scary part where I was like, oh my God, I don't even need to force this anymore. It was starting to just automatically happen after I ate. So, and I knew enough. I'm like, this is not the route I want to go. Okay. Like I, I definitely, I knew that, um, for that, it was more mental. The per the, the binging was less mental than like, I mean, it's, I do feel like everything, especially in my practice, everything has a mental, spiritual, physical component. Um, with the binge eating, I do not do that anymore. And that is a miracle because I would be proud and like excited if I didn't binge for like a night or two, like that would be a huge win for me. But then I kind of knew that it was going to happen again. I didn't know like how to like guarantee that it wouldn't. Um, So when I was at the height of that purging and I had gained 40 pounds in a year, um, I was not in a good place emotionally at all. Like I was just not in a good relationship. I was not doing work I loved. Um, I was living in a basement suite. I was not living in the right city. And like, there's just so many things that were unaligned and obviously, and then I had this like huge, and even so I started to like let go of some of those things, like the relationship and I moved to a new place, but then there were still things that I had where I would go on, I went on so many different kinds of diet plans, whether it was like raw vegan or keto or high fat, low fat, high carb, banana Island, like all these, all these things. And you, yeah. I know you <laughs> not in recognition, my friend. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I first, I, I started to do more of the emotional stuff, a lot of emotional healing, um, And then I still realized like I had this hunger, like I had this insatiable hunger, no matter how much I ate, I was still so hungry. And there was, and that's why I believe it's so much more about food. That being said, the thing that helped me the most with binge eating is learning how to eat because I didn't know, like, I thought I was like, oh, I was fasting. And so I like would just like start fasting and then be like, okay, like this is, this is what the new weight loss thing is. And, or like, and then fast and then hit workouts or fasted cardio. Like I did all of that. And that actually would drive my hormones into just chaos. And I had no idea about it until I, one time I started to, for an entire year, I got my period four or two times in a month. Um, and so like it was it, and that's actually why I, and now I have like amazing periods, um, I wrote the book, the painless period guide, by the way, and oh, really? like, I'm going to yeah, check that share out that because it's like, it's all been this whole journey. And so coming back to your original question, <laughs> I just, I had to, I always, I love talking about periods and, and things and menstrual health, but, yeah. um, so that was all creating havoc on my hormones. I didn't know why. And so the ladies listening out there, um, don't necessarily recommend fasting because it's mostly those studies are done on men. And so anyway, what helped me is I, I had always wanted to go to, um, to be a nutritionist and I 
found out through just because I, I had such a punishment based relationship to food. Like if I ate this, then I have to exercise this much. Or if I eat this, I couldn't eat later or whatever it was. And that actually all led me to binge eating at night because I wasn't eating enough during the day. My body was in starvation mode. My leptin and ghrelin levels and cortisol was was all in disarray. And so I would just eat at night for emotional reasons, but also because my body was starving. Right. And so um, what helped me is balancing my blood sugar, eating like targeted nutrition and not fasting, not doing crazy workouts, just moving my body, you know, but that was so, cause I had the mentality of like, just like someone who wasn't, I was focused on weight loss rather than health and vitality and radiance and feminine energy, like all of these things. And so I let, I was doing some crazy stuff to, to make up for it. And it was like, so the balance in the mind and then the balance in the lifestyle that all helped so much. And then, yeah, so that's, that's been a huge win balancing hormones, all of that. Yeah. Yeah, that is because there's so many things that come as side effects from having an eating disorder, because for me, I didn't, I I thought it was great. I did not have my period for like a year and a half. Mm. And I was like, Oh, I'm cool with this. And then going to the doctor and it was, they had actually a very good program. I went to the doctor at um, the school I was going to, and they were actually very aware of like, you know, asking questions to see like the check for eating disorders actually, because I went in for a strep throat test and that's when they found out and I started going to a program for it. But I was like, for me, I was, it was like, I was finding the program because I just, I don't know. Like I kind of felt like they forced me into it. And I was still at that point where I was like, I don't want help. Um, because they're, they're like wanting me to do something that I feel like is going to make me fat. And that's like, if my goal is not to be fat, then like they're against me. Um, but with that, they, um, also eventually found out that like I didn't have my period and they're like well that's a problem <laughs> like, and so they did put me on and like the one pill I've ever taken in life that I feel like actually helped me was like something that um it was progesterone and not like I'm not yeah. like you know saying like oh go on and take progesterone if you have like don't have a period um but that was the one thing where my period kind of came back and it wasn't it didn't start getting regular until oddly enough I started traveling which obviously travel and stress affects your hormones Mm -hmm. and so yeah I don't know it's it's just like the most interesting thing um but yeah it's it's so important to like look at all of these other things like you know because anemia had happened as well um and there's all of these things that you need to like balance things out and just like really get in tune and everything I loved how you talked about all of that um so one thing because I'm actually still working on it you know I feel like for the past few years probably since mostly right after college ended because it was definitely stress that was triggering me um although I've certainly had stress you know beyond that but I find that I'm I'm like really proud of myself for coming out of this binge eating disorder mm-hmm but I still emotionally eat mm-hmm. and I've been working on that and I'm feeling really proud of how far I've come with it. Um, but I'm curious, do you ever find that you emotionally eat still? And, you know, if not, like, how did you navigate through that? Yeah, well, I think in a sense, and, and there's a difference obviously, but we all emotionally eat in the sense of like, there's a celebration we have cake or champagne or whatever. And then whether in like as infants, we expressed emotion and then got food right from our mother. And, yeah. and so, and so looking at that, it's like, we're all emotional eaters. And obviously there's like a whole other kind of emotional eating. Whereas, yeah, I definitely like, I will at times, it's definitely not the same, but I will sometimes out of like frustration or anger or something, but it's, it's like significant. It's like, it's happens so rarely now. Whereas before it was like pretty much every day, it's pretty yeah. much every day. And what I noticed is, and this is most of us growing up. It's like, if you're crying, if you're upset, it's like, here's this toy, here's this TV show. It's like, go like, just, you know, we kind of 
I'm going to say gas, we're gaslit in a way. And we do that to ourselves now where it's like, I'm hungry. What can I do to self-soothe? Because food is soothing. And that's like what we use it for. It's like, I always say it's the most socially accepted form of drug where this is the same thing where people, the same thing where people shop or, or eat or do like drink or whatever it is. It's like, we're just seeking to feel better. Yeah. And so I've just been creating a life that overall I feel better. I have tools like yoga and journaling and creating this like positive mentality, creating actually friend time with girlfriends, like and other girls, like that was a huge healing for me. And some, cause I used to just hang out with guys and, but there's something that there's no other place than having, and that's also hormonally it releases oxytocin, but just having all these different areas of life, like all the, whether it's and finances and, and health and relationships and fulfillment career, like looking at all of those areas of life and saying, where do I need to move the needle needle forward? Because that would just stem from, you know, like not feeling good about one thing, or I'd go to like an accountant or a dentist or whatever, and like feel bad about myself, receive photo. And just like, and you know, all these things that would make me remind me of how incomplete I felt or how behind I felt. And, all of these things. And so I just start to work on that. And then the other thing is, is like, as to a kid, and this is like conscious parenting or conscious parenting within ourselves is just looking at like, okay, you're feeling anxious. That's okay. Like, what do you need right now? Like, how can I help? How can I, and just like being with it because we just want to avoid it so bad, you know? Yeah. And so that's, uh, that's been, those are all huge things where I just kind of like dive in and like, okay, I'm feeling like this. And sometimes it's like, okay, I want to have an ice cream because I feel like that or whatever. It's like, yeah, you can do that after you acknowledge how you feel and what you need. And it's like, sometimes we have no idea. Cause I'd asked myself that years ago. I'm like, what do I need? I have no freaking idea, you know? And uh, I think a lot of that, again, I think I, I really undervalued community, just like, you know, that and just like authentic community. Having a purpose is also a big thing because mm-hmm. one of the biggest things I would emotionally eat without, I, I don't know, like, you know, because I just felt like I didn't, I didn't know my purpose and I wanted to find my purpose. I wanted to know and like have something. And I, and I, because I didn't have that priority of like, oh, I'm moving forward with my life that would trigger binge eating for me. Like, I, I don't know if it's different for other people, but like that having a purpose, knowing that I came here for a purpose, but not knowing what that looked like was extremely stressful for me. Yeah. Wow. I love that you brought that up because I've never made that connection before, but I feel like not only does that connect to like emotional eating, but even just the idea of waking up in the morning and getting out of bed, because I'll be honest, um, I feel like I've become much more in tune with my my purpose in the last few months. And before, I mean, like, I, I feel like, you know, with COVID, we all went through like this like emotional, like what in the world is happening? Yes. <laughs> um, everything is turning upside down. And Initially, I'm really proud of like how I thought about COVID. I'm like, oh, well, this is the perfect time for me to like get stable because I've been traveling for like two years beforehand. And so now is the time when I can take all these e-courses and work on my personal development. Um, But there came a time when that got old. (laughs) And I just, I started feeling like Netflix became my best friend. And Mm. I was like, why like, you know, there was nothing pulling me to get out of bed, um, you know, except like the summer, I like, you know, kind of have like a stint of working on things. Um, but it was during the fall when like, I was like, is the world ever going to change? Like, you know, mm-hmm. and like really having that feeling of, you know, you can't just sometimes like positivity, I'm great at sometimes, but um I think anybody, even the most positive people, you know, a lot of people tell me like, oh my gosh, you're so positive. But people who show that on the outside don't necessarily feel that on the inside. And I think Mm -hmm. that's, there's so many good things that are coming up in this conversation. Um, But I think that's just important to acknowledge and recognize that like our outside oftentimes is a reflection of our inside. Mm -hmm. And I think we need to recognize that more time, more Mm -hmm. often, but it's not always the case because we're really good at hiding things. Um, Yeah. Girls and guys. Um, Hence the eating disorders, right? Hence, yeah. Yes. yes, exactly. Yeah. 
Yeah. You're like, oh, we look like we're like looking like the way that we want, uh, you know, on the outside, but on the inside, it's like this whole other story. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. And I feel like just going back to the idea of purpose, I feel like now that, you know, I've come up with this idea of a podcast and like when my anxiety was telling like, excuse me, no, mm-hmm. <laughs> but then I've really started getting in tune with like just following that intuition. Like even if I have this crazy idea, like in a meditation, you're supposed to go to the beach tomorrow. It's supposed to rain, but then just like, you know, okay, well just thinking about it and um, saying, well, even if it does rain, I guess I'm still going to go and just see what happens because for some reason I'm being told to go to the beach. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. And, yeah, it's just, it's crazy because actually because that just did happen to me yesterday and at two in the afternoon, finally the re- the rain cleared up. Like the whole forecast was like right until like six or 7 p.m. And then at, at two, it was like, it was all gone. And I'm like, okay, this is my cue. Like, let's go. <laughs> and like, I just had, you know, it was a really beautiful time. I needed to reconnect with nature mm. and everything. And it was great like I think listening to that intuition even if like those things are so weird or there's a fear in front of it um you kind of just have to trust it and go with it and um, totally yeah yeah I love that um so there was something about perception that we were kind of touching on a little bit when you're talking about all of these different areas that need to be balanced and feeding feeding our emotions in a way without food um, I'm kind of curious if you can touch more on that idea and how you then had to shift your way of thinking around a lot of things in order to like, oh, like I can make myself feel better because there's this this hunger that I think we get confused with our actual hunger. So there's an emotional hunger and a physical hunger. Um, totally. And I think a lot of times because like when we're younger, it's like, I, I remember my mom telling me, Oh, stop crying because like you'll get sick or something. And then, and then like, I literally just realized that a few days ago, I'm like, is that why I have a hard time crying? And I'd rather mm-hmm. eat my emotions because somebody like my mom told me to stop crying. Yeah, um, And it's almost like, it makes you think about, you know, eventually, you know, like people want to become parents and realize, okay, well, sometimes when you're parents, it can be so difficult. Like I'm not a parent, but like, I can only imagine, you know, the stories that you hear, um, parents just feeling run down and needing to just like wanting the kids to be quiet. Um, but I don't know, it'd be interesting someday to talk to somebody who like has, I mean, it's not like parents don't have an awareness. Um, but just to think about, ways in which like you can still have the peace but also provide the kid with what they need and allow them to feel their emotions and maybe going back to the idea of the way we think about things maybe it's more of the way we think about things is I think society doesn't help a lot of times Mm. when they're like oh man your kid's crying like are you not taking care of it maybe the kid just needs to cry (laughs) totally totally I am so of that camp of just like sometimes you just need to cry You know, sometimes you just need to like yell into a pillow and like just like that healthy expression, because here's the thing is like either we haven't seen healthy emotional regulation from society. You could tell like through what happened in COVID last March and like the grocery stores, like that's showing us where society is at with emotional regulation, but who there's no one to blame because it's like, we've never been taught. We've never really seen it. And so what I think it comes down to is having those tools. So like tools of like, what do we do? Because that's the thing. It's like those, the emotions feel so intense. And either if we've been told like, you know, big girls don't cry or men don't show emotions or whatever, whatever. It's like all of a sudden this natural inclination to express the emotion is not there. And then another thing is creativity is like, we often leave creativity when we're kids but then it's such a healthy way to express this emotion of through singing or drumming or dancing or whatever. But we just, as adults, I, I swear that's how we get old is because we just stop doing those things and have that expression. Right. And so having, you know, so I wonder like with, with parenting, like, is it, is it providing more tools? Is it providing like a journal? Is it, is it, you know, there's a place, there's a place. And I think that's the thing too. We, and I'm not a parent yet, but I look at like, okay, if the child is upset, where is the space between I like being the person that calms them down every time versus like, I'm here for you. And here are some tools 
that you can use to like really understand your emotions. So, and it's like almost doing the same thing for ourselves. Like both are beneficial, like talking to a friend, talking to a counselor, you know, versus like here are, I think there's a space for both. And I think we need to utilize both. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. And as you were talking, it kind of made me think like, well, it's not like a parent, you know, and actually sometimes it could be like, you know, to stop them crying, you might give them like something to suck on, like a sucker. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think, you know, there's so many cases where there just isn't an option, like, you know, stop crying. And then I don't know. And I can't like think back to when I was a kid, when I was told to stop crying, you know, eventually like, you get over it. But, you know, maybe that emotion's still like, there's something that stays stuck inside of you, um, which I think I've been realizing causes dis-ease in your body um, because those, you know, mental things that aren't figured out, um, whether it's like being able to forgive or just being upset about Mm -hmm. something, anything, like just all these little traumas that we have, um, if we don't express them and then we think we're expressing them in food and just, you know, solving the hunger, but like not actually because you're like, okay, now I'm full, so I definitely don't want to eat food, but then you just have all of this stuff and there's this, I don't know, there's this whole like headspace that you get into that's just a mess. Like I, I don't even know how to describe like the mindset that you get into when you are struggling with an eating disorder, but it's <laughs> just, it feels so messy and something's wrong and you feel like mm-hmm. you can't tell anybody mm-hmm. and you just have to keep pushing through it. And then you, mm-hmm. I don't know, for me, I felt like I was just trying to I wanted to like help other people and I worked in the service industry and I found that was a really good way for me to focus on other people and not myself and I think that's what probably made my anxiety worse later in the evening um then all of a sudden like I'm starting to feel everything um and all the emotions and just it's just not fun (laughs) well like as an empath right it's just like you pick up on other people's emotions and other people's fears and and like, just like clearing that and cleansing that and just like having that, you know, just like we take a shower, it's just like an emotional or spiritual shower too, which again, as tools, as empaths, we haven't necessarily been taught that. Yeah. Yeah. That's actually really big too. And I'm only starting to like figure out more about empath stuff as well. Cause I know there's so many ways in which it can kind of manifest and I've learned that apparently there's being able to like be a physical empath, which I kind of vibe with a little bit more where you actually pick up on if somebody is not feeling well, like you might actually Mm. feel that too. Um, And it's just, it's, it's just so interesting to think about. And I don't have enough knowledge on it to like really get into it. Um, But yeah, it's definitely something I want to get into more, but I was having a conversation actually to touch on that a little bit more with my friend yesterday, who is also an empath. And she was talking about, how she kind of has to like shut people off sometimes when like, you know, those emotions are coming in for her mm-hmm. um, because you don't want to have to deal with other people's emotions and it can be very, like, can be very not healthy for you. Mm-hmm. Um, but so we were kind of talking about the idea of setting boundaries for that, mm-hmm. but I feel like boundaries, and I'm curious to hear what like you think on it. Like, I think boundaries are something where it allows you to set something up like a protective barrier for you while you're like, it's almost giving you the space to kind of figure things out mentally. Because I think Mm -hmm. even as empaths, I think we can have like shift our paradigms and our way of thinking in order to deal with things better and be more in tune with our intuition, what we're feeling and what other people are feeling. And then somehow create maybe more of a mental barrier rather than like telling somebody I can't deal with you right now, Mm -hmm. but thinking Mm -hmm. about what they're saying in a different way or how they're acting or whatever you're picking up on. Curious if you have thoughts on that, because I don't know how far you've gone with empath's journey. Totally. Well, here's the thing. So when we put up boundaries, it's, it's takes confidence to put up a boundary, right. And to, and the confidence to say, and to like, have the other person's reaction despite, you know, not affect our, you know? And so when we look at confidence, it's like this like act of will of active courage. Um, 
And and so that relates to like, whether if we feel like the chakra system, for example, and looking at like the solar plexus, and then I find that any sort of um, like weight related challenges or binge eating is like almost, cause almost like it's like a lot, lack of confidence, lack of self-control control. And so when we put boundaries, we're exercising that control, that, that will that we have that power to create. Right. And so otherwise we're just kind of like, being ships without a rudder otherwise. And, and people can be late. People can say certain things. People can kind of like give you their emotions if you're not, you don't want to hold the space or you don't just at that time don't have the space. And so I think boundaries are huge. That's been a part of my, I swear boundaries has been a part of my weight loss journey because it, it does. It's like exerting my ability to create and to control something that is within my power because sometimes the the binging can come from like a feeling of loss of power somehow and a lot of the time it's beyond our control or we just feel like we have no sense of control but we do we do have a lot of you know and like this creative energy and I think when we overcome these things powerful I think it's honestly I think for those of us who have um, experienced you know, eating disorders, it's like our power has just been misguided. We're like super powerful people that's just kind of confused about their power, you know? Yeah. I love the way you say that. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I think boundaries anyway, I really answer your question. I think boundaries are so important. And then that way, because here's the thing, it's like, if we leak energy in that way, and all of a sudden we're tired, we don't have the time to take care of ourselves, whether it's meal planning or taking a bath or just laying on the couch. And then all of a sudden it's like, what do we do to feel better is food. Right. Right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And I think I'm becoming more clear on the idea of boundaries as well, because you're right. Like, I think even if you have like the mental capacity in order not to get upset when somebody's late, still, you don't want people to disrespect you. And so if you don't have boundaries, then you're just, I don't want to say you're creating a monster (laughs) of a relationship, but like, yeah, if people don't respect your time, like it also affects you, not just mentally, but other things that you could be doing and spending your time on. So that's a really good point that you bring up that even if you do like, you know, boundaries, I believe allow you the space to create, you know, those figure out how you can better respond and have more healthy reactions or responses instead of reacting. Um, But I think still like having those boundaries in place is still really important and having the confidence to be able to get there and just say like, you know, yeah, this is, this is what, you know, what I need from you. And if that's not going to work out, like, you know, we have to figure it out from there, but yeah. Totally. And it's less about the other person because boundaries protect our time. Like if I have a, like, I'm just saying, like if someone's booking a call with me and then they're going to be five or 10 minutes late, I'm like, I'm sorry, I can't have the call. Like my, this is, this is the time slot I allotted. And then, you know, otherwise, because it's like, it's protecting the creation that is my life. And when we put up the boundary, someone else might be upset at first, but then perhaps like when we, when we are living in our true empowerment, even if someone has a negative or positive reaction, it's going to somehow awaken the fact of like, oh, maybe I need to respect my own time more, you know, and kind of remind them of their power. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I think it wakes not only you up, I think that's the whole thing. Like if you're working on yourself, other people are going to see that and start waking up themselves, even if it's a subconscious, you know? Yes. Amen to that. Yeah. I think, so one thing we were talking, we had a great conversation before we even started recording. um, But one thing we were talking about that I want to touch on was the idea of not healing or just, you know, so many people, you know, in Western medicine, like they want the pill that's going to fix everything that they don't have to deal with symptoms. Um, And I think the idea is kind of interesting to kind of just like flash out and talk about where the, I don't know, healing is more of this journey and people Mm -hmm. want the destination, but then it also kind of makes me think just with that, where I've actually heard from people before that, the excitement, like if you're going to go on a trip, the excitement oftentimes more comes mm-hmm. from the anticipation of that trip than the actual trip sometimes itself. Like not in all cases, um, but I think 
you know, sometimes because it's the same idea with like happiness that we think happiness is this destination and not the journey to it. And if the journey to happiness, you know, I guess, you know, obviously you're going to come from, you know, filtering in and figuring out the happiness. But I think, I don't know, I really like the idea more about if we can just stop and be in the present and be in the moment and get curious about where we're at and mm. almost just find that being in the present, there's like a beauty in being in the present. Um, and I think just the idea of healing, I want to hear your views on that, just because I think when most people think about healing, it's like this arduous task and having to do things that they don't mm-hmm. want. And maybe that's not the idea of healing. Maybe there's something deeper, mm-hmm. you know, why we need to heal in the first place. Okay. I love this question. And so I think and I, so we live in a society where everything is linear, right? Time, the calendar, like just life. It's like, go to school, get a job, da, 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 da. Whereas it's like actually kind of in a spiral, right? And this is kind of like the spiral of consciousness in that way too. And so it's like, you know, we see here like history repeats itself, but then there, it's like, we keep evolving in consciousness. And so I think, you know, we have all these, like this, these, these spiritual lessons that we came here to learn. And we just either keep either repeating grade one and not learning from it or being like, oh, I'm in a grade or level or whatever of your own journey, not in anyone else's, but like, I'm in level 3000 and I'm still, you know, face, cause I think we're going to just continually face these lessons and just get more and more powerful within that in, you know, to evolve. And so, so to answer your question on, on healing, like, I think healing, if we look at it as like an ever evolving lesson of our strength, of our courage, of our, of our power. Right. And, and so for example, like, I'm so glad we're doing this now so I can share this, but I, the other a month ago, I had hired a new personal trainer. I love working on the personal trainer. I love having someone tell me what to do for my workouts and I've just found it to be an amazing investment of, of time and energy. And so I, however, I've gone to a really good place where I, I eat in tune with my, my hormonal cycle. Um, I move in that terms as well. And I am active, but it doesn't have to look like a certain way. It's not like CrossFit or running or this. It's like, I love weightlifting. I love yoga. Those are consistent. But other than that, I will, I could just love moving my body. And so I had hired a trainer who, again, I was just like, I think it was more like an Instagram influence where I was like, oh, I want to look like her. She has like abs and like, just like this perfect ideal dream body. And so I, even though I was like very, like everything on like the signs of health, very healthy and feeling good and like looking in the mirror, I'm like, yeah, like I actually like how I look. Then of course I see like, I was like, maybe it's like a bit of Instagram comparison, maybe like, just like being like, Oh, I could, I could, I could lose like five pounds still, you know, and just like having that, like, you know, and so I hired this trainer. She's lovely. Okay. Super lovely. Um, when I met her in person, what I noticed like was while she looked in this certain way, there was other signs of health that were not there, like, you know, adult acne and like just like very like a lot of fatigue and um and hormonal imbalance just from talking to her and I was like okay I was like I think I'm getting to you know it's like someone again might look a certain way but then there's other markers of health that's not there but anyway so I was like cool like I want to do this program with her she's a great trainer started to receive my meal guides my meal plans um, which are a lot different than mine. I do mine based off of specific nutrients, bouncing blood sugar, bouncing gut bacteria, where this is like just purely based off of calories and carbohydrate. And so what I found myself is eating like a lot of chicken breast, a lot of cans of tuna, like, and I love soups in the winter and, and lots of fresh, beautiful, abundant salads in the, in the summer. And I, this is, you know, I guess, technically still winter where I live, but um so I was just like, no soups, nothing like that. Just a lot of tuna, lots of cans of tuna. And I was like, oh no, I started to feel again, like super triggered, super restricted being like, 
And then I wasn't, I also like on the weekends would like have barbecue with Eric or just like, whatever, just, you know, have an, uh, like a local ice cream or whatever, just like enjoying my life as I normally would. But then I was like, oh no, not only that, but now I'm like messing up this meal plan. Now my progress pictures are like, and then I start, I, I got into a place where I talked to my boyfriend. I was like, I am, I can't, I'm like, I'm not, I'm not doing good. I was like, I had done, gotten so much progress and I was shocked at like, this is honestly just a few weeks ago. I am, I was shocked at how familiar this was, but years ago, I'm like, I am having the same thoughts as I did years ago when I was at the height of my eating disorder. I was like, I literally had a time where I, I wasn't going to do it, but I was like, do I go to the bathroom right now? You know? And I was like, oh my God. I was like, I thought I was over this. But then it was like this restriction. It was this lack of variety and nutrients. And like, and I was like, I am not training for a fitness competition. You know, like I am, this is my life here. This is like, um, this is not sustainable. And I was like, and so it was like, my body was just starting to get stressed. And then, and then I found myself eating more than I would have in the past. Like you've like currently, and I was like, holy crap. I thought I was, I thought I was done. I thought it was over this, but I noticed that trend and you know what and so I was just like I was like I'm, I'm not gonna do this I was like I was not in a bad place I was in a really good place why was I trying to fix what wasn't broken and so I like I and I've just like I said for my own mental health which is going to be beneficial for my physical health it's like I'm not going to continue with this person she's a great person great plan just not for me not supporting health and so I was like, I know what I'm doing. And I was like, I can, you know, and so I stopped doing that. This is again, so recent, but um, so sometimes I feel like we have new lessons to learn in terms of being healed, because if that was a few years ago, would have gone through with it, then gone on another kind of diet plan, would have felt horrible about myself because of like willpower and and then mad at myself about it. And like, I'm at a position where I feel healthy mentally, physically, spiritually. Why am I trying to fix that? And then I was like, why? Because I feel like I should be five pounds lighter. Like, what is that? You know? And so I think that was the ultimate kind of resolution and healing. So it was just like a little bit deeper. And I realized you know, and of course I'll still have moments where I'm like, oh my God, I don't look good in that photo. I need to lose five pounds or I still have those thoughts. I still have that. But have you ever had the the time where you like look back on a photo and you're like, oh, I was, I was fine. I was great. You know? And yeah, so much like, yeah. I'm going to guess maybe you dealt with body dysmorphia as well. Oh, totally. Like, yeah. And you look back at those photos and you're like, just like in your memory you remember being fat but you when you look in the photos you're like but I really wasn't like I was underweight or whatever it was yeah totally so I think you know I'll still have a photo I think photos can still be a little triggering where I'm just like oh like but then you look at photos where it's like it is a good photo and you realize like there's lighting involved in different angles and so it's like it's just you know, I think um, I, I still definitely go through that. But then I also realize, like, I know at the end of the day how much programming. Like, I, I follow this one account on Instagram. She's like the, the body underscore connection underscore coach. And she's like talking about, cause obviously I wasn't around in the sixties, but she's like in the sixties, the marketing was like, Oh, have this vacuum and have this product and you'll be the ultimate housewife, you know? And like that was like, then you'll be worthy. And then now it's like, make sure you have like this kind of butt and this kind of Botox and then you'll be worthy, you know? And, and even, you know, I was in, I was in Italy a few years ago and I'm looking at the museum and I'm like, oh my God, these, these women are just like, you know, like they have these softer bellies and they're just like comfortable, they're just laying out. And then a few years ago, it was like, oh, does this make my butt look big? And now we're like, does this, can this make my butt look big? You know, so it's like <laughs> constantly changing. And I'm like, oh my God, like I have to realize how much of that is also programming. If that means I get to enjoy a cookie and like a latte, then cool you know yeah 
I think the idea that you're starting to bring up is something I've been really curious about lately, about the idea of beauty standards and why beauty standards even exist and kind of getting underneath the idea, like, why do we want to follow beauty standards? And I think what I started coming to is that what underlies the reason why we want to, you know, be the beauty standard is because we don't feel like we're enough the way we are. And that I think it's not really, I've started kind of like questioning beauty standards, like, Oh, like, should I shave my legs or not shave my legs? And now that I've not been shaving, I'm like, should I shave when I go to this wedding in LA? Like, <laughs> you know, cause Hawaii, I feel like it's a little more acceptable. Um, but then I started wondering, like, should I shave? And then it started making me think, why would I shave? Like, let me get clear on the reason why. Um, I love that. Yeah. And I think that's the only reason that can tell me whether I should shave or not. It's not whether society says I should. It's whether like that reason why if I'm doing it just for me and there's, you know, and it's really hard to distinguish that because it is, it is, but I totally me thinking like is so yeah. determined by society. Yes. Um, yes, so, yes. Anyways, I could talk forever about it, but I think basically I realized that if I, you know, go to this wedding and don't shave, like as long as I am, you know, like, I don't know, it's hard because like, I want to say as long as I'm happy and confident, but like in order to be at that place, like I have to think I'm enough you know, whether I'm shaved or whether I'm not. So if I can be in the place where I know I would be happy and confident um, without shaving, and then maybe I would choose to shave. Mm -hmm. Um, But then if I'm going to choose to shave, then like, if I'm already happy and confident the way I am, why would I even shave? Like, it's just (laughs) like this whole thing like I'm thinking about now. No, I think this is such an important conversation and we need to have more of these conversations as women and like being like, like talk, because yeah, there is a certain aspect of like, of taking pride in how we look and is this going to help whether it's a hair, like highlights or whether it's cosmetic something or whatever. It's like, there's a very fine line between what makes me happy versus like what makes society happy versus like both in a way because it's like we look we feel good when we look good that's inevitable like it's just and we that's something to be proud of and I didn't used to take care of how I look physically as much because I just thought it was vain and superficial and I was like you know and then I was like no I want to take pride in how I look and be proud of myself but then there's also like there's also that thing of like going out on a limb. Like one time I got nail extensions because I just thought that that's what would look good. I'm like, I hate these things, you know, and and versus I don't know. I'm just trying to think of examples, but there is a very, very fine line. And I really appreciate that you bring that up. Yeah. Yeah, it's huge. And I, I love how you expand on everything. But um I want to like keep talking to you for forever, um, <laughs> but to respect your time, um, I want to ask one final question. But before I do that, um, where can we connect with you online? Yeah, so I love Instagram. I'm at underscore luscious living underscore. Um, and that's really my most favorite place to hang out online. I also, as I mentioned, um, have a book across yeah. Amazon. Um, you can find it at, or you can look up the painless period guide and it teaches women how to, uh, overcome PMS symptoms like cramping, bloating, hormonal acne, um, all of that, as well as living in tune with our four feminine cycles. So yeah, love that's it so the two best places online. Awesome. So my final question for you, and I'm actually going to change this up a little bit um, just from that idea of healing is this journey. Uh, Before I asked, what is your definition of health? But I really Mm -hmm. like the idea of getting in tune with the journey. So what would you define the idea of healing? Like, how would you define that? Mm. I think one of the keys to healing and keys to life is this progress but that progress can sometimes feel like we're taking two steps back or 100 steps back I think it's just like as long as we're staying curious and being like okay like what's the next thing what's the next thing and like following those little breadcrumbs I think that's that's you know it's 
so individual, but at the same time as humans, we all want to feel like we're progressing. Again, just want to re- reiterate, because I know the healing journey so well, sometimes we feel like we're going backwards, not even 10 steps, but just like backwards. But is, but like, I think the, the important thing is to define who we want to be and who we would be without this, this illness in a way, because I didn't know what I would be thinking about if I wasn't thinking about weight loss. Like I, it just took up so much space in my brain where I'm like, what else would I do with my time? Like it became more comfortable to think about that than like, I didn't know what else to think of you. Does that make sense? Like it was yeah. just my mind constantly didn't know who I would be without it. It's yeah. like, then what? So I think I encourage people to think about that as well. Yeah. I love how you're saying that because there was a part of something just, I think of all these random things all the time, but something was making me feel that maybe my healing might come easier to me if I knew who I was on the other side. And it's sometimes so difficult, like, because the visualization is so big for me because I've seen it work in other areas of my life. I'm like, oh, well, then it must work for healing. I just need to tap into that. But I think, you know, if your idea is like, you do want to have like, you know, a specific type of body, whatever it is, if you want to lose weight or like you just, you know, acne, if you have that, like to see your face, to see your body as you want it to be. And for some reason, I'm actually having a really difficult time with that. Um, And I don't know, I think it takes patience um, Mm. and just knowing that it's going to come when it needs to. Um, But I also think just bringing back the idea of purpose as well, that I think for me, I found that my my dis-ease is almost something that keeps me in this safe place so that my Mm -hmm. ego doesn't get bruised when I think I'm going to fail. It's just all of that is so big. And if I can just move past that fear and follow my purpose and that intuition that's telling me where to go, maybe the disease won't even have a purpose anymore. Um, yeah. Exactly. Because the world works based on needs. Like it's like when we like needed that, like that, that lesson in life, that thing, it's like, we, 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 it's in our life because we need it somehow. It's like, you kind of like the the song. It's like, you can't always get what you want, but you get what you need. It's like, it's like we, we experience something because we need it. And it's almost like, it won't feel as safe to not need it anymore. Cause like, well then who would we be? What would we be doing? And and I couldn't visualize myself mentally cause I had never really like seen myself in that healthy place ever. Um, I would just like write out like, what would my life look like? What would my life be about? What would I be doing? Who would I be with? Like in all of these things that helped me see beyond like the space that I was at. You know, yeah. does that make sense? Yes, I love that so much because it really points to the idea that when you can only see what's in front of you and what you're struggling with, your visualization, visualization is not just when you go to that place and you close your eyes and visualize. It's also just the way you think about things and where your thoughts mm-hmm. are. And if you're only thinking about what's in front of you, you're always going to have what's in front of you. Thank you so much for listening to this episode. I hope it brought your spirit up sparked an aha moment or fueled curiosity around your growing idea of what it means to heal. If you'd like to listen to another episode of the I Am Healing podcast or connect with us on social, go ahead and check out the links below in the description. Also, be sure to subscribe wherever you're listening and share with a friend you think may resonate. And again, I'd love to hear your feedback, so share a quick review and let me know about any realizations you had or ideas that stood out to you the most about this episode. To end, I'd like to share a quote by James Nestor. If someone tells you something is impossible, go prove that it's not.